0: Hello everyone and welcome to Untangled, the podcast that takes the complex world of corporate compliance and tries to distill it into something more simple. Today we're looking at compliance training. We've all experienced it, some of us have even created it, and yet still here we are in a world where training is boring and doesn't actually get the job done. Here today with me are Jim, Alex, and Andre, who are keen to share their own perspectives on this topic. Hi chaps. Hello,
1: Hello. it's Stephanie.
0: So You tell me, why does compliance training suck?
1: I'm not sure where to start, Stephanie, because every time even I receive compliance training, being a compliance professional, I sort of mentally get ready for a daunting 20 minutes to half an hour where I know I would have to click through the slides um, because on one hand, I know the content. On the other hand, the content is pretty obvious. I think it's just the general perception that compliance training is something you have to do and uh, you are expected to do and you have a deadline. But I'm, I'm not even starting that with the, with the perception or anticipation that I'm gonna learn something out of it. It's, uh, I think it's just the general perception that this is a, a necessary evil. Um, I'm not sure, Alex or Jim, what's your experience?
2: I always I always find that compliance training done badly, like any training, um, is dull. And I think to your point, Stephanie, it's it is because of the way that it's delivered, it's not because of its being compliance. I think there's this tendency sometimes, especially and I don't mean to pick on lawyers, but there's a tendency to feel like we need to teach people everything about a subject. So if it's legal-related, we're going to tell them what the law says. And I've, I've seen it. My personal experience, I've seen sanctions training with pages and pages of relevant legislation, just copied and pasted. And then somebody stands up and reads through it, which isn't really that good and is pretty dull. So when it's done like that, it's, it's really bad, quite frankly. And I switch off. And I'm meant to be someone who's a practitioner in that area. And I'm supposed to understand it. And I'd lose the flow because it's just not relevant. So I think that's one example. Another example I suppose from a compliance more compliance specific is that sometimes it's focused too much on do's and don'ts. In fact I've I've seen slides that are called do's and don'ts. Which is helpful, you know, it's a checklist I suppose, but it's not really training. And and do you need to get 20, 50, 100 people on a call or in a room with a slide that says do this don't do that? So, so for me, that's probably a starting point as to why I'd say that compliance training can be, like any training, dull if it's done badly.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think also <laughs> where you have companies that do not invest the budgets for, to do compliance training and instead rely on overconfident compliance professionals who think, well, it can't be that hard, can it, to produce effective <laughs> training? And because their time Turns out poor, it can because- be. It can be indeed and and often because they're time poor because you know they they want to make sure every word from the policy is in there so that they can get hundred percent accuracy um it's it's incredibly dull, uninformative and and again because they've lulled themselves into a false sense that it's an easy thing, and of course, being an instructional designer is a profession in itself, so I, certainly that's the worst type of training i've seen uh, also i think because there's an efficiency in producing e-learning centrally and then firing it out to everyone under the sun irrespective of their job irrespective of where they sit in the value chain it means again you get a very bland training that's not really tailored to any any particular reality that anyone lives but it's it's easier to do it's cheaper to do it's more efficient to just fire it off and you get the auditability, which again, keeps compliance professionals happy, but ultimately sows misery into the minds of every poor person who has to open <laughs> that e-learning into the future. And inc- <laughs> indeed that includes us.
2: I, I have to say though, that e-learning done well, like any training is great. I I, I did a conflict of interest training session, uh, not too uh, long ago and I've got to say it was excellent it was e-learning everyone's doing it uh, it's not tailored to the individual which I think you know there's arguments for 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 making it more role specific but it was really really good it was good because it it told us the theory but in a nice way so speaking more about principles then it gave us some really good examples to work through ourselves and it wasn't a test it was simply oh what do you think of this, and then some options, and you click on that, and it would give you some information but pitched at the right level, so it was it was actually helpful, and it got you as the participant to think about the scenario rather than telling you, "Oh, here's a whole load of text about conflicts of interest, read it and then tell us you've read it and understand it
0: yeah and 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 not based on a test at the end which which is really just a taste of uh, sorry excuse me a test of whether you read the document, as often happens is you know they a multiple choice which just sets you really obvious um questions or questions that are purely just based on did you read section 3.2 of the policy um
2: does anyone ever answer them wrong just for fun because they're so obvious <laughs> bob comes up and asks you for an envelope full of 500 pounds in return for making a sale do you accept it or not <laughs> yes I, accept I mean- it.
3: I used to be a. Tra- I used to be the compliance training administrator that you know look after the learning systems. And honestly, the number of times that at a at a social event, someone would sidle over to me and 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 say, "I know, you know how I passed that training." And the number of the pride that people take in circumventing the questions to come up with the answers, it, I think again it shows that it's kaf- they see it as Kafkaesque. They see it as a challenge to try and do it in the quickest time possible. And then it's almost like the Red Queen effects where then the people that design the training start building in really annoying elements to the e-learning. So you can't just click through, you gotta stay on the same slide for 20 seconds, even if there's five words on it, and you can't, you know, it'll randomize the questions and it'll randomize, the, and it's fine, but it's it, ultimately you've already lost at that point that you're d- deploying those type, type of tactics. In other words, you're already accepting that your training is not, is not relevant for the person or there's not enough in it for the individual to actually want to absorb the information that you're providing or change behavior. You're, you're going to beat them over the head with a 20 second um, pause on the slide to make them sit
2: there for 20 seconds. Until
3: so they, they, they might as through. well
0: read it. If you're gonna be <laughs> there, you might as well read it.
2: Yeah. We had a wall in the office. When I was in, in, in the police, we actually had a, a wall dedicated to the certificates you get from training. And the bit that we were interested in was how quickly you could answer all the questions. And uh, I think the record was somewhere around 18 seconds. And the way we would do it is one person would be the guinea pig and they'd be the one to suffer the wrath of getting it wrong. And then once we knew all the right answers, it would be a test to see how quickly you could apply the right answers. Uh, obviously a good example of how not to design training.
3: Uh, <laughs> but I mean, but you're a good guy, Jim. You're, you're, you're you know, moral, ethical, you've got high integrity. I'm sure that example shows you at- that. But- no, no, but it shows you that you're you're kind of seeing this e-learning when it's done poorly. You're yeah. human, and you're seeing this as an affront to your character. So you're going to try and and um, and beat it. You know, a bit like when Alexa or a robot does something, you see it as something external, separate, and frustrating because there's not enough in it for you. So you'd rather try and game it.
0: So uh, some some great some great reasons why most compliance training is absolutely dreadful and that most of us don't enjoy it. So on that basis, I think we can all agree that nobody really receives a message saying you're invited to compliance training and thinks, woohoo, that's the <laughs> highlight of my day. So with that in mind, and now um, with technology being it's rapid, so rapidly moving forward with all the different kind of functionalities and things that we can use, should we therefore be looking to make compliance training fun?
3: Uh, so I, I would say it's hard, you know, again, the utility of a fun training is how sticky the content becomes because you tend to probably remember happy memories better than the sad or boring memories. You know, if it's fun, that might mean it's more interesting. That might mean you're more engaged and that might mean that the information is more sticky. Uh, but Again, I've seen perfectly good training, which may deploy mnemonics or it may deploy silly phrases or other things which are not necessarily fun, but they're just the sticky. So I think the, the key element is its stickiness rather than how fun it is. It's just that fun things tend to be more sticky.
1: And that's right, Stephanie. I don't think it's just about technologies and evolution. It's just also an evolution of the compliance function where we do need to recognize that if we want training to be engaging and effective and interactive, it actually has to be done by professional training managers, or for, with, of compliance managers who have the skill set of how to make training, um, well, relevant, because uh, it's not just about putting the policy on a slide deck and doing that a presentation or ELMS uh, set of, of screenshots. Uh, it's about making the training that reaches to the audience and, uh, sticks to Alex's point. I I think that's where technology clearly helps because at the moment, even in the public domain, there are so many features where you can, uh, use the power of AI to help you make your slides look better, right? Or you have uh, a database of stories and, uh, uh cartoons and screenshots you can potentially build into your materials very easily that that makes all of that accessible but i I think we do need to go back to the basics as to what is the purpose of the training and why we are doing this because if we are missing uh, that excitement and engagement at the beginning and people are not curious to learn something new Or they are not excited about the topic or presenter uh, they will probably have less attention to whatever content we want to produce so i I agree technology can be the driver if you just simply make the training more accessible that it pops up on your uh company mobile phone right or it just uh a pop up every time you log into your laptop you have to do a short quiz or there is an update but where it needs to start is is the well the excitement and engagement that will make people want to attend the training or discover the training in the first place. I, I just kind of picking back on on Alex's comment, where I also find a helpful reference is when there is a follow up, and that can be even a separate action that done by line managers, for example, because ultimately when uh, my direct reports undergo any development training or any training, I would usually use the part of our next one-to-one just to ask, what have you learned, right? And maybe three days after they've done it, one week after they've done it. And we have a conversation that, that helps them to explain how the training was received, was it helpful, unhelpful, what the content was, but also what it means for them. And then you actually have a bit more of a discussion, what was the underlying purpose, why the company is doing this in the first place, and you make it relevant to the to the work of the employee. right? And if that's driven as the as the company's training strategy, whether compliance or other departments, that's what would stick because it it makes that practical and and relevant to each individual. But also technology-wise, and just to give you another example, I'm I'm currently doing the company car driver kind of uh, course, which is, uh, I think it's called Fleet Defense or something, where every month you get a a module in your inbox that you have to complete. And uh, the way the module is done is quite good because it doesn't talk about the rules. It actually explains scientifically the reasons why people potentially break the rules or disregard the rules of the road. And it also gives very practical stories and real scenarios of what are the consequences of that. So while I was honestly a bit skeptical when it, I originally started that, the more I, I went through the exercise, the more engaged I, I realized I am because I'm, I'm genuinely curious about that level of detail and understanding that science and psychology and consequences it's more perception uh questions right would you would you believe this is the right or wrong decision or how can you mitigate a risk of getting into collision right or what are the steps you need to take to to do something better so it actually uh transforms the question from a typical yes or no true or false or choose the multiples uh into something that uh, makes me as the trainee to think what what would I have done in these circumstances, and that means I, I got the training message. But uh, that's where I think this strategy of of uh, building that as a model and uh, having a routine follow up that it's not just the training done once and then we forget about that until next march when we have to to do the refresher course because it's done month by month topic by topic uh eventually you do get people on a journey and you get them vested in the exercise
0: yeah i think and i think it's really interesting to look at how other um other areas other topics other functions um conduct their training to to get a sense of what you can use to make compliance training better So, I think we're all pretty much aligned that the ultimate goal for compliance training is that the learner takes away some knowledge which results in them doing something differently or um you know behaving in a certain way that ultimately lowers risk for the for the company beyond the pretty meaningless statistic, which again gets routinely measured uh which is how many people attended or completed your training. How can we measure whether the training we give is effective, whether it actually works? Because we've talked about that being the key here. So how do we know?
2: suppose it depends what the training was on. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll explain why I say that. If you're training on, let's say, anti-bribery, it may be more tricky to, to measure the success of that in the short term, albeit that you could look at Metrics around the number of questions that are raised with regards to bribes bribery sorry Um, or you could look at the number of new cases that are recorded in your case management system through your hotline for example and then layer on top of that their concerns that are being raised but they ultimately are unfounded or unsubstantiated then it could be that your training actually wasn't so good if though you've you've had a number of cases raised and that they are being substantiated following the training it may be that you've trained people really well and suddenly people are identifying things that have been going on for a long time and now they understand them, they're able to report them better. That's one way, but obviously it's that they're not, they don't stand on their own as independent metrics because there's so many other things that could influence that. That's one way, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but I'm, I'm also always puzzled with this question because um, it, it's, if we, if we do the training where we need to produce that result, Right read and acknowledge i'm not trying to undermine that there is a there is a part of the compliance uh ecosystem which requires you to tick the box and say well i actually read the document in the same way you sign your employment contract and you agree to terms and conditions of the of the software You, you never read that right but um where the measurement or effectiveness in terms of compliance training if we Look at compliance as the people business right and us influencing hearts and minds of people we work with that's down to that engagement sometimes the best measure is to see the i know how the message resonates with the audience and whether people actually listening to the presenter whether they are sitting on their iphones and doing something else uh, or whether you have any follow-up discussions in in cafeteria over the coffee about topics that are relevant to what you've just delivered the training on. And, and you can't simply measure that with a particular KPI and therefore you can't really report it and benchmark you know, one office against another. But uh, that's where I'm not sure there is a, a measurable component because it's sometimes down to that personal engagement and personal relationship.
0: Can you not just easily measure that, though, then by then asking the people who attended the training what they thought of it? And I'm I'm just minded to think of, you know, when you go through airport security these days or use a, a bathroom in a service station, the same, same methodology seems to apply, is that they ask you, how was your experience today? And you press a button with a smiley face or a sad face or an angry face on it. And you could use a very similar methodology with compliance training that basically just gives you that feedback. Did people find it useful? You know, it it, it doesn't, or did people, were people engaged with it? And yes, it's not a, it's still a subjective measure, but at least you're saying to people, was this something that you found useful? You're not just relying on the vested interest of the person delivering the training to say, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I
1: I agree, Stephanie. And that's where I, I personally don't find like, topic based or uh, specific training on specific topic uh, most impactful, I, I think the training needs to be done as, as a training plan right and as a strategy, because only then you can connect the dots and you connect that impact and you can see the, the consequences. even to the comment that uh, Alex has made earlier, right if you, if you do the next compliance training, which can be on a different subject. But in that training, you, you do refer to the prior one or to make it more interactive, you actually ask some questions that are relevant to the prior module or prior topic that was discussed two weeks ago, one, one months ago. That ensures this continuity and actually allows you also to measure whether people remember what the training, the first training was about when they do the, the second module, but, uh, that, that goes down to the to the training plan and strategy. And there are other touch points along the way which can give you very helpful insights whether your compliance training program is actually making uh, making a change.
3: What what I would add, and I only only I didn't I promise I haven't looked this up in preparation for this <laughs> podcast. But there's the Kirkpatrick's four levels of training evaluation. And do you know why I can remember it's called Kirkpatrick? It's because I had good training at one point that uh, linked it all to Star Trek and Captain Kirk. I was Kirk going to say it has to be a Patrick Star Trek Stewart. link. Yeah, there is it is. Captain Kirk and uh, Patrick Stewart, who played um, the other one, Jean-Luc Picard. Picard. Now, I, I, I can remember that. Um, I can remember as well that the first level of training evaluation is really how you feel. You know, how, what's your emotion towards that training? How did it make you feel? So it's a bit a bit woolly, a bit wishy-washy. As you move through, I can't remember all the levels, but as you move through, the final level is then the performance benefit for the company. Now, again, as you go then to that higher level of assessing the impact of training, it becomes much more difficult to actually pin it down to that training. Because to your point, Andre, around all the other interventions that you'll bring in, all the other things you'll do to try and affect behavior from tone at the top, from lots of other interventions, you know, communications, who knows what, it's hard then to say, well, the fact that someone blew the whistle on something is as a result of I did whistleblowing training six months prior. Could also be many other factors, could be a sen- the culture that you've created, the sense of psychological safety, et cetera, et cetera. But you can certainly, and the very least that people should do is seek feedback on the training and, hand- and ask, but not just how they feel, which is the level one, the most basic. It's also, give me concrete examples, how you've used that in the past two weeks. And then that makes them, it forces the person to actually consider and actually visualize themselves as well. Even if they haven't put it into effect, visualize themselves putting it into effect. Um, I think the thing you're raising as well, Andre, is repetition, repetition, repetition. And it, to the earlier question, it doesn't need to be fun, frankly. It just needs to be sticky. And if you repeat something over and over again, if you've got a very multi-channel approach where you're leveraging the leadership, where you're leveraging other communicators, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. So you need a pretty good uh, messaging house and a really good training plan to know what are the uh, phrases that we'll use. And we've seen phrases be very effective in all kinds of uh, political spheres from Brexit to a presidential debates and everything else there's always a phrase and again if you've got your messaging house set up correctly and you're using a multi-channel approach you're on to a good winner it doesn't necessarily need to be fun you just need to repeat it like I've done several times about repeating and being <laughs> sticky
0: fantastic so bringing this all together what are the uh what are the silver bullets- that, that we need to use to make our training better. We've, we've talked about a whole bunch of examples. Um, what is each one of yours top tip that you would give to somebody who's creating and delivering compliance training for it to be effective?
2: I'm going to jump in. And uh, we haven't actually spoken about this, but I'm going I'm to lead with it uh, for that very reason. Emotional attachment. If you can create an emotive response from someone, then they are more likely to remember that because they've experienced it in some way be that as a result of you talking them through a scenario or that it links to something they've experienced in real life will be an attachment which the quote uh, our trading guru makes it more sticky
3: well, i right. feel i've been referenced there so i, I will go <laughs> next then i suppose i, I would say um it's, it's linked but you know storytelling you know, tell a, tell a story. And, it, you know, stories have emotion. Stories have a beginning, a middle, an end. They consider there's, there's maybe even some kind of plot twist. But again, we're hardwired, I think, through evolution over thousands of years to, to respond well to storytelling. And where, you, where you're not taking yourself too seriously, but you're trying to frame a narrative which makes sense and people can relate to, if you get that right, I think you're halfway there.
1: And I would probably say make it, professional and and impactful. But but what I mean by that is for compliance managers who do the training is, is make sure you, you do that as a training. And it's not a, a replica of a policy or message or communication. And if you know how to make impactful training, well, great, you're already more successful than, than many of, of, of your peers. Uh, if you don't take time to learn that, right, you can leverage your internal training department in the company, you can Google what Kirkland Kirkpatrick evaluation is, and you can figure out how to make training in a way that, that resonates. Uh, and I think starting with that premise will make whatever material you produce uh, much more impactful at the end and uh, will, will make you a better professional.
0: Fantastic. So some great tips there. I think I think the one I'd just add to the end of that is yeah, you know, following on from, you know, Kirk Patrick whatever his name was, is to get the feedback from the participants because I think you know, going back through that list, if you if you get emotional engagement from the trainees, if you're using storytelling to to help get that engagement and to make the content sticky if you have something that's impactful it's meaningful to the participant and they know why it's there for them and then ultimately you get their feedback so that you can make sure that it was good and you can improve it as you go then I think ultimately you're going to be in a position where you know you're not going to create compliance training that sucks and frankly everybody's going to love you for that so thanks very much everybody thanks for joining us for another episode of untangled get in touch via linkedin and let us know what you think join the discussion and get involved and we'll see you next time